Hey, uh, welcome back to the Pluto Report with David. We're going to do episode two today. I'm just going to kick right in to another portion. I thought I was going to do this bi-monthly, but I think the idea here will just to be uh, when something arises to delve into it to the fullest extent. Um, so today I'm thinking about a couple of things. I think we'll touch on the planetary nodes. And there's this one quote by Krishnamurti that I think is kind of interesting. It's from public talk number six, given in India, 1979, from the titled Meditation, Attention, and Silence. So I'm going to read that first, and I think then we'll get into the planetary nodes. So we have brought about order in our life, order in our relationship, which is very important because life is relationship, a movement, an action, and relationship. If there is no order in your relationship with your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbor, whether that neighbor is near or very far, forget about meditation. Because if out of having disorder in your life, you try to meditate, you will fall into the trap of illusions. So that's why we said in these talks, if you have been serious, if you have followed, we have brought about order, absolute order, not temporary order, absolute order. And that order can look to the cosmic order. You understand? It has a relationship. Let me go into it a little bit. The order has relationship with the cosmic order. The cosmic order is the setting of the sun, the rising of the moon, the marvelous sky of an evening with all the beauty. And merely examining the universe through a telescope is not order. It is order in here, in our life. Then that order has an extraordinary relationship with the universe. You understand all this? Doesn't matter. So that quote, I think, shoots us right into the conversation on the planetary nodes. So I was discussing this with a fellow evolutionary astrologer today, kind of getting a little deeper into this this concept of the planetary nodes, um, which really goes hand in hand with the lunar nodes, as we understand them, right? This is evolutionary orientation, which is the intersection of the moon, the movement of the moon with the movement of the earth. And I'll read to you really quick. I'm going to use a definition that uh, one of my teachers, Ari Moshe Wolf, gave. I'm going to give you the exact definition because I want to do this properly. So you can create planetary nodes, including the moon, by looking at the orbital path of the celestial body intersecting the ecliptic. With the moon, these are the nodes of the moon. With Pluto, these are the nodes of Pluto. With Saturn, these are the nodes of Saturn. So I'll repeat it again. You can create planetary nodes, including the moon, by looking at the orbital path of the celestial body, Pluto, the moon, Saturn, intersecting the ecliptic of the Earth. Right, so this is an astro- astronomical phenomena. Right, and there's, there's an image. I might share this image that Ari shared with us. Um, but this intersection, right, is when a lunar eclipse happens, when the full moon happens on a nodal point, solar eclipse, when a new moon happens on the nodal point, right? And so we're understanding these points to be intersections, again, between the orbital path of the celestial body, Pluto or the moon, intersecting with the ecliptic of the earth. So in this sense, we have different planetary eclipses. Right. And again, these are archetypal eclipses. 
as we come to know them through the definitions of the planets. Um, I think today let's focus more, I'm going to think more Saturn and Pluto, uh, Uranus and Neptune, but I think focusing on Saturn and Pluto as well to build off of the last talk with Saturn squaring the nodes. So we have these phenomena, right, where we talked yesterday about Saturn squaring the nodes and this, this concept of God is the cultural limit, right? But we can have this whole other discourse on what it means when Saturn squares its own nodes in terms of a, uh, a larger evolutionary intention, as well as Pluto squaring its nodes, or the nodes of the moon squaring Pluto's nodes, or the nodes of the moon conjunct Pluto's nodes. And so for reference here, I'm going to dig into the ephemeris a little bit. This is courtesy of Mark Jones, um, another evolutionary astrologer, who is also a therapist, I believe. We look at the nodes of the planets in March 2020, right? So this is when we have that kind of sea change event of Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter all conjunct in Capricorn at the end degrees. And this is what we find. 19 degrees of Capricorn, 15 minutes, Jupiter's south node. 27 degrees of Capricorn, 41 minutes, Saturn's south node. And 22 degrees of Capricorn, 4 minutes, Pluto's south node. Right, so that, that conjunction occurred right at 22, 23 degrees of Capricorn. So how, this, is a, this is a whole other springboard level and layer of loaded information, all within a five-degree orb, one exactly conjunct, right? 22 degrees of Capricorn, the Pluto south node, two degrees away from conjunct, less really, with the minutes, Jupiter south node, and Saturn south node give it about a five-degree orb from conjunction. This kind is, I would almost call this a genetic loading, right? So this is the term that I would use for a south node conjunction, particularly to an outer planet. This, this term I would use genetic loading in the sense that the, the, the conjunction is loaded with a genetic power, right? Or a genealogical power. And this would kind of refer back to, uh, Nietzsche and the, the genealogy of morals, right? In the sense where there's, there's a genealogical power or an inheritance or a kind of a seed state of the planet. Again, to refer to almost that Pluto notion of the transformation, the seed state of the planet, which is the evolutionary orientation of that planet proper in relation to the earth, right? So if here we're talking about Jupiter, right? There's this larger Jupiterian arc, which again, to refer back to the notes, is the intersection of the orbital path of the celestial body, Jupiter, with the ecliptic, the Earth. This larger evolutionary orientation, which is a direction and orientation, a speaking into existence via the relationship between Jupiter and the Earth. This speaking is what we call the evolutionary orientation in terms of the nodes, right? So I'm doing this on the fly here. Um, this orientation is how we normally talk about the moon's nodes. And when we're speaking about the moon's nodes in relation to a natal chart, what we're doing is we're using the moon's nodes in relationship to Pluto in understanding what, what are the, the, the past life, present life, and future life consequences of the soul proper 
And in doing so, right, we're looking at this orientation as something that is an arrow through time and space, orienting the soul in a particular direction. When we're looking at the planetary nodes in relation not only to a natal chart, but let's say to a world transit or a world chart, what we're doing is we're looking at the orientation of this larger overarching archetype in time and space in relation to its current position and standing in relation to the earth in a way that we can say, okay, there is currently, or we could take the March, 2020, for instance, there's currently there's this genetic load, South node, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, a genetic load of transformative. It's a springboard of transformative structural expansion capability. It's this, I mean, it's, it's so, hard to describe the, the added gravity that you get from this transit because there's a conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto atop all of their south nodes, which is to say, insofar as we are concerned at this moment in time, the origin or the history of these planetary archetypes, the place from which they are springing, they are all unified or gathered together on that place of the south node, which you could describe really as their the entirety of their history or their genealogy the ge which is why i would use the term genetic load right because if we're talking about a genetic load it's a it's a predisposition or something that the organism is capable of latent within the organism due to various different uh, ancestry and inheritance that at any moment could arise from the organism right so we can use this term genetic load in relationship not only to the organism but to the soul and to the planets. And I think it's, it's a very ac accurate and apropos term to use, not only for the planetary nodes, but also for the moon's nodes in terms of this evolutionary orientation, which can either be met or it can be pressed back against. And um, I think Arya said this as well as um, Jeffrey Wolf Green is that with the evolutionary intention, right, of the soul, or the desires of the soul, the inherent innate desires of the soul that arise in this incarnation, you can either approach these intentions and engage them. And I, you could say wrestle with them like Jacob on the Mount with God, right? Or Hercules in the sense that Alice Bailey refers to Hercules and her book, Esoteric Astrology and her book on Hercules itself himself, where we engage the archetypes of the Zodiac and engage them as in trials where these trials are simultaneously jokes and jests of the universe in terms of being upon the cosmic wheel of samsara, right? Where we ultimately arrive where we began and end up where we began in the sense of the movement. I was talking with Ari about um, Ramana Maharshi today. Um, this kind of idea that is between Aquarius, Pluto, and Aries, which is the genius, which is pure observation, right? Or pure meditation without reflection. And the genius that runs immediately into Pisces, the, the kind of the cusp of Aquarius and Pisces, and then the cusp of Pisces and Aries, which is the kind of non-dual commandment of um, take I am and let the rest go, right? Or find this essential or inherent nature of being and attribute the rest of that to becoming within this larger inherent nature and essence of being. Um, 
so when we when we do this genealogy work, right, or this work of history in the natal chart or in the world chart or whatever it is, it's a, it's a work that necessarily has a lot of different indicators, right? So if we're using the planetary nodes, we're using those in conjunction with the moon's nodes to understand something about history and heritage, which which can be tracked as an astronomical formation and relationship between the planetary body and the Earth, and. This, I believe the, the planetary nodes can be a very powerful addition to the chart and not just believe, I would say, I, you can see how the, how they interact and engage with the chart, um, particularly in that March 2020 example. So I do want to go back for a second and touch on that Krishnamurti quote, because I do think there's relevance here where Krishnamurti is talking about finding absolute order in terms of an understanding of the nature of being which is the cosmic order. And so he mentions the setting of the sun, the rising of the moon. And you can see here the importance uh, historically and uh, culturally around the world um, before this kind of global assembly that we have today in uh, modernity, where there are so many cultures that have had this relationship with astrology as something that intersects with and corresponds with philosophy um, in that it allows us to have a further understanding of being, which is again in reference to the first episode, not only an understanding of the cosmic being and becoming, but correspondingly and immediately and relatively and reflectively the psychic becoming and the psychic order. And this is a, this is a really powerful understanding that comes about with the kind of increasing advent of psychology in the West. Um, and obviously, psychology has been existent for thousands of years in many different societies under various different terms, right? Religion, philosophy, what have you. Um, but in the West, you have Kierkegaard and Freud and Jung, right? As these, as these figures that increasingly go into a study in a science of the psyche. And I really do like this one painting. It's by Edward Byrne Jones. I believe it's called, I'm just going to type it in here the baleful face and it's a, uh, or the baleful head and it's a uh, Medusa. Um, Percy is gazing into what it looks like. looks like a bit of a reflecting pool, but to me, I get the scrying glass where he's scrying in order to see Medusa's face without being uh, turned to stone. I don't know who he's standing there with, but the image and the idea there of, of that, the scrying glass or the reflecting pool as a way to look within to see without is this nature of the cosmos and psyche relationship that we're discussing here. And obviously the name of the book by Richard Tarnas comes to mind, but I think we want to go a little bit more into the depth psychology end of that relationship and see along with Krishnamurti, right, in this, in this quote, I'm going to go back to it here. The order has a relationship with the cosmic order. So he's talking about relationships. He's talking about relationship with yourself, with your neighbor um, in meditation, right? Which is the, the dissolution into an abiding experience of oneness, right? Which in which the language falls away or the conception of the order falls away. And he's saying it is an order in here, in our life. Examining the universe through a telescope is not order. Right. So 
when we're when we're talking in the the I think kind of the uh the advanced science of astrology is that we're looking at the chart. When we're looking at the chart, we're not just looking, and I, I think we can make this mistake very easily. When we're looking at the chart, we're not just looking at some sort of planetary order or evolution of becoming. We're looking at the relationship of the archetypes, not only as they appear, quote unquote, in the sky, right, or in the heavens, but within man, right, in terms of this cosmological condition, which exists both in the depth and breadth of the soul, right, in the in the inmost, furthest most point, as well as in the heavens, right, in spirit to the uh, outmost, furthest most point, right? These two points are the same, one and the same. And this is what we see in the natal chart. And this is what the kind of orientation the planetary nodes can provide us in terms of situating us at essentially... I don't want to say the historical limit of space and time, but situating us from a place of understanding massive time in terms of a larger inheritance that is being brought into this moment, a genetic inheritance or what Jung would call right the collective unconscious right in relation to the planetary south node or the collective desire to transform right or the desire to evolve, which would be the kind of Plutonic element and aspect of the relationship between the North Node and the South Node of the Moon or any of the given planets. And so understanding these nodes as crosses in the chart, right, where they cross each other or relate to each other, and seeing the planets engage with them, right, the planetary bodies engage with them, as well as kind of the, the message even of the natal chart in an evolutionary sense, if we're looking at the Moon's nodes and Pluto, these are all methods of enhancing our ability to relate and relate to the chart in such a way as to say, not only are these archetypes present in a, in a, histor in a historical less sense, in the sense that they have always been eternally present and perfect, right? In the sense that these are aspects of, of perfect aspects of God and that God is perfect in the sense that nature is a perfect being in, an, in constant stillness beyond language, right, or silence, the, the meditation is where we approach it. But that these archetypes, they're simultaneously history-less and have these genetic loads or they have these inheritances that we may or may not be aware of. And these inheritances reside at certain points in the chart which make relative conjunctions and aspects with the current happenings, right, or the current events of the chart, as in the, uh, the time compass rose moving through space and through time. And so this is, a, this is a way of coming into deeper understanding of history and of time, as well as the use of the astrological ages, right, in terms of the uh, processional equinox. Um, these are just all different ways of measuring time, right? And so the definitions that we give them, obviously, are the definitions that we give them. And they're incessantly and infinitely debatable constructs, right? But when we're looking to come into deeper relationship, we can understand, right? Again, with the, the Krishnamurti quote, we can understand that the desire, well, we would hope the desire to be, would be to come into deeper relationship, regardless of whether we're interacting with ourselves or a partner or the natal chart or the universe or the cosmos, right? In the sense that we understand all of these things to be one thing, the cosmic order, the 
unfolding of being into becoming the very essence of cosmic nature and that in order to come into deeper relationship we must know the cosmic order as within and without ourselves to the point of which it is collapsed the simultaneity of cosmos and psyche and so i think that's the episode for today we'll keep it short and sweet um good to see you all virtually um come on back uh later if you like i'll see you